Hello and welcome to the Fully Free Podcast with your host, Taylor Lee. This is the podcast to get raw and real about running an online business, living life as an entrepreneur, and figuring it all out as you go. After creating seven figures in my first three years as a coach and doing what I love every single day, I truly believe that you deserve the money, joy, and life of your dreams. I hope to inspire you with weekly episodes on money, marketing, life, and all things online business. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode. Okay, you guys, I just got off my Zoom call with Natalie. You guys are going to love this episode. I have been so excited to bring Natalie on the podcast for a while now. Um, She was actually in one of my masterminds recently, and I got to get to really know her that way. And what I love about so many of my clients is they teach me so much. And Natalie is one of those people for me that I have learned so much more about legal since working with her, (laughs) her working with me, um, which is why I really wanted to share this information with you and bring her on and introduce her to you guys so that you can learn a lot about legal because it shocks me how many people are clueless about it and don't have the right things in place, aren't legally protected and are running businesses. So you guys, Natalie Puglisi is an attorney and legal resource for online entrepreneurs After years of working in a a local law firm, she decided to try her hand at opening up her own practice. She was scared and overwhelmed, and with the boom of online business, she found herself consulting with more and more friends on how to set up a legally legit business. And she noticed that when they had the right legal documents in place, they emerged more confident and empowered. And this is what I love about Natalie is she doesn't just like give you your legal stuff, which is an experience I've had in the past. She gives you what you need and she makes sure that you feel really empowered using it and that you really understand it. Um, which is just so, so, so important, you guys. And Natalie offers a suite of affordable, done-for-you legal templates and contracts so that you have your business legally protected in 10 minutes or less. Like, so, so, so easy. And you actually get it, right? She can even help you trademark your work, get your LLC set up. Her dream and her mission is to create a community of legally empowered women who are positive that their businesses are legally backed so that they can feel confident to go out and change the world with their work. I'm so excited to share this with you guys. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fully Free Podcast. Today, I have Natalie here, who I'm so excited to share with you. And she is going to talk with us all about legal in your business, which is so important. So before I get into my whole spiel of what I want to talk about with you today, Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to do this. I really am honored to be on your podcast. I love your podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited too. This is like such a needed episode. Um, and I, I was just telling you before, like I just started my new mastermind and I told all of the women right away, 
you've got to get your legal stuff in place. Like no one's allowed in here without their contracts, their legal <laughs> stuff on their website. It's just, it's a must have and we're going to get into it, but it's so much sim- simpler than people think it needs to be. Um, but will you just take a second to tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so I am an attorney here in California. I'm a small business attorney. I didn't start off as a small business attorney and I did not start off as an entrepreneur by any stretch of the means. I was working for a really small law firm and I went out on my own and started my own firm um, almost a decade ago now. And when I started my firm, I had zero idea what I was doing. So I really kind of worked from the ground up and did a lot of research, was back in the law library, like just kind of figuring it all out. And not just from a legal standpoint, but also from, you know, like an entrepreneurial standpoint. Um, But, you know, I eventually kind of figured out what I needed. And, you know, I really had a lot of friends and family that when they started their businesses, they would come and, you know, ask me what they, what they needed and how to get organized and, and all that stuff. And I really realized that there was a real need for female entrepreneurs, especially in the online space to kind of understand the legal side of their business. And so that's kind of really what that desire to educate and to really empower women is, is really kind of what started my business. So. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. And I'm excited to chat about this and just tell people what they need, how they can get it and hopefully inspire people to not, not overcomplicate all of this so much. And I also have a few questions that are going to be awesome that I think will even help people with their clients when they get legal questions and you're not a lawyer, because I know that standpoint as well. Um, (laughs) So let's just start with the basics, right? Let's, let's speak to specifically um, that new coach or new online service provider, or maybe they're not new, but they've just totally put off the legal stuff. Um, and let's just say that they're just going to get some clients, right? Whether it's like maybe some web design clients or some coaching clients, like what do they need to make sure that they have in place? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, what everybody should be considering is whether or not, and this is kind of maybe like big umbrella picture, but really whether or not they want to become an LLC, That's always like, it's such a big question I get all the time, even from my clients. When do I become an LLC? How do I know the right time to become an LLC? And quite frankly, there's not really a right time, but I always tell people, you know, when you have a business that you truly love and you really want to protect it, that's really the right time to become an LLC. Um, Becoming an LLC can really kind of help shelter your personal assets um, and separate, you know, yourself from your business liabilities. And so that's kind of the first thing that I, you know, tell people to start off on, although it's very intimidating because it, it can be quite a bit of a cost in order to, to start an LLC and to become one. So that's usually not where people like to start. Um, but it's Mm -hmm. certainly something that I tell people to consider, um, you know, at least that that's a good, really solid foundation from a legal perspective. Um, So So, can you go a little deeper for a second on what the benefit of doing the LLC would be? I know you started to say like it separates you from your business, but can you just expand a little bit? Because I think for some people it's like, well, why would I, especially I think, I mean, 
you're the one that would know this better than me, but it seems like it's a little different in every state. You gotta find the right paperwork, but it, it, it kind of gets people in a headspin of like how to even do that. So why should they take the time to figure it out and actually do it? What would be the benefit? Well, the benefit of becoming an LLC, like I said, is that it separates yourself from your business. So it creates what's called a separate business entity, which I just like to tell people to think of it as like a separate person, right? So you have yourself and then you have your business. That's just a completely separate person. And what happens is when you create an LLC, all of your business assets and all of your business liabilities fall into the LLC format. So when you have a dispute with a client, then they can only reach into the business assets in order to settle that dispute. So you can't go into your personal assets. So it's really important if you own any assets or you have any joint assets with anyone else that you become an LLC because like I said, that way, if you have any liabilities, if you owe anyone money, if you have a dispute with any client, if you have a dispute with an independent contractor, anything like that, they can only reach into your LLC in order to settle that dispute. So they can't go after your savings, your home, any vehicles you own, any any property that you own with somebody else. So it's what we call it shelters your personal assets. It gives you kind of a layer of protection. Um, and that's really important, um, you know, like I said, from a legal perspective, because you really want to make sure that if you're in a business and for some reason your business doesn't work out or, you know, like I said, you have a dispute or something like that, you don't want it to affect your personal life in any way. You want to be able to close your LLC, move on or settle the dispute in a way that you can move on and just continue with your business without it affecting your spouse or your partner, your loved one, someone that you own assets with, or even, you know, your um, savings or anything that you've kind of worked hard to set aside for your future. Yeah, I love, I think you just made it so clear of what the benefit would be. And I think that kind of does answer when to do it. It's like, if you do own things, then you'd want to do it. If you do have savings or you want to start that, then you'd want to do it. Especially, I think also, I think that's a great thing to consider if you are married, have a spouse. Um, it kind of, it, it separates them from it as well, which is something I, I hadn't really thought of too, which is very important. Yeah. Well, I think the main concern for people, you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, is that there's different requirements based on the state that you live in. So some states can be a little bit higher, like for in Cal- example, in California, um, there's an $800 annual tax that has to be paid. And then to start your LLC to file the requisite paperwork with the state is another about $90. So out the gate, you're you know close to $900 just to even start an LLC. And that's not even hiring an attorney to do so, which I obviously recommend doing. Um, and the only reason why I recommend filling out the paperwork isn't really honestly that difficult. <laughs> but where the benefit of having an attorney help you out with your LLC is that there are certain deadlines, taxes, um, forms that need to be filed within a certain period of time or annually or semi-annually. And if you're not adhering to those, if you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing, then you actually lose that LLC sheltered protection. So it's, it's as if you don't have an LLC at all. Um, so I think that's where you know people tend to um, really think twice about becoming an LLC because I think a lot of times people look at it, well, when I make a little bit more money, when I'm starting to gross a little bit more, then I'll become an LLC. Um, but the fact of the matter is the moment that you are signing clients, talking about your business on social media, putting up your website, you're really creating exposure for yourself. 
So I, I would really encourage people to consider that to be, you know, a, a foundational startup cost for um, business owners just in general. I completely agree. And I did my LLC very early on and I only did so because I believe my accountant told me to, <laughs> but I'm glad I did just get it out of the way because it's something I haven't had to think about now in years. And yeah. it's just like investing in your business in any way. I mean, there's a, there can always be a reason to not do it. It's always going to be kind of a headache. It's always going to cost the money. I wouldn't, I just, I mean, I'm not the lawyer that should be giving advice, but I yeah. do agree. And from somebody who's felt like that, I did do it right away. And now I'm glad I did because I see people that are years into their business making six figures that are like, Oh, I have to do that. And I'm like, what? You haven't done that. <laughs> like just get, and, and for me also, I'm always thinking when I'm hearing this stuff, whether it's the LLC stuff or, um, even just getting legal documents and stuff in place, I'm always thinking like, just get it over with, like, just get it mm -hmm. done with, you know, I'm so glad I did that from the get go. So, um, let's say somebody's like, okay, this makes sense. I need to finally just do this. Do so you're, they don't have to, but you're suggesting they find an attorney. Can that be you? Can that be anybody? Does it have to be an attorney in their state? Who do they reach out yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah. So business entities have to be an attorney in their state because every state is completely different in terms of what you have to file, when you have to file, the taxes that are owed, all of that sort of thing. So that is something that you need to find someone in your state in order to do. Um, I always get the question about legal Zoom or doing, you know, those types of um, you know, services that they have, the no lawyers save money kind of services, which uh I, the only reason why I don't recommend doing it is because, like I said, filling out the paperwork isn't really the difficult part. So going to your Secretary of State's website, looking up the documents that you need to file, filling those out is not that hard. So you really can do that on your own. I never recommend someone does legal Zoom because you're paying someone to do something that's so simple you can do it by yourself. You don't need an attorney to do that. But like I said, having an attorney on your side to give you some guidance for when things are due, how much is due, making sure that you're on track and, and you know, getting your EIN, getting a business license, all of that stuff. That's where your attorney is going to help you because they know the laws in your state. Whereas LegalZoom, they don't know that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, you know, and I understand from the perspective, you know, I... Well, I had to get, you know, my, I actually have a PC, but I had to get that all set up, you know, before I could even open up my own firm. But I understand from a business perspective of kind of lagging on that. It's kind of like when you have a tooth that's bothering you, like you don't really want to go to the dentist, but then when you go, it's like not really that bad. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you know, at least the very, you know, least get your paperwork filed. You can do that yourself. Um, but speak to an attorney because you really need to figure out what those requisite requirements are and, and find one in your state and find one in your county. Awesome. You know, something I found people get tripped up over is they kind of make this a reason to not do it as well. They want to have the perfect LLC name. So I don't, yeah. in my opinion, I'm like, I don't really think it matters. My LLC name is actually Taylor Manning Creative LLC. So it's not even my name anymore, but I'm like, people barely see it. Who cares? But I guess this is a great chance to ask you, like, does that matter? And do you think, I think naming your LLC, just like your name is great. If you don't have like a brand you want to go with, like, 
or especially in this industry, if you're doing it early on, I thought maybe using my name would be like kind of flexible if I kind of changed gears a little bit, but I would, I would love to hear if you have any like quick input on that. Yeah. So I get that question all the time, actually. (laughs) Um, I think you're right. I think people are hesitant to create an LLC because they don't really want to like be stuck with a name or there's just like so much pressure with picking a name for your LLC. But in actuality, most of the time people don't really even see your LLC name and your business can be something completely different than your LLC name. So you can like, for example, you know, your Taylor Manning um, creative LLC, but people will also know you from the fully free podcast. So you could be DBA anything else that you wanted and it could sound nothing like the LLC that you've created. So just getting an LLC is great. A lot of people don't like to name their LLC after their name because it kind of like adds, you know, another layer of mystery, I guess, or people not knowing exactly, you know, who owns the LLC, which is, it's easy to figure out to be completely honest, but some people feel uncomfortable having their name out there, which I can understand. That's fine too. If you want to name yourself Red Flower LLC, and then your business is either under under your name or under a name that's completely different, you can always be a DBA. Um, You can always use a different name than what's your LLC name. That's completely fine. There's, There's nothing wrong with doing that. So for anyone that's hesitant because they want to pick the perfect name, just file something. You can also change your name at any point if you really, really wanted to. Um, I don't know why someone would really need to because like I said, it's more of a behind the scenes kind of thing. But yeah. you know, you're not you're not necessarily locked into the name that, that you've um that you've started with. So Yeah, I mean that's where I where I have been. I mean, it's been a while since I got married, over a year now, and I've been wondering the whole time, like, do I even need to change my LLC? <laughs> you know, and and then I get yeah. I don't even know. I've started to look into it and I just can't figure it out. So maybe that again is a situation where it's just easier to get help with that. But also it sounds like it doesn't matter that much. It doesn't matter that much. It's more of a personal preference if you really want to change it. But I mean, quite frankly, it, it doesn't make any difference from a legal perspective or from a tax perspective. So awesome. Good to know. So what I'm thinking, and I, I love, like, I was not expecting to go into this LLC conversation, so I'm glad that you brought it up. So feel free to keep doing that because you know way more <laughs> about this than me. But I am always shocked by how many people don't have the right, like, just to me, basic legal documents in place. Mm-hmm. Um, or they don't know if they really need them or... Yeah. So, I mean, would you say that after the LLC, that's the next thing to be looking at? Yeah, definitely. So I think what my recommendations are, I always kind of give two paths when it comes to getting your um, legal documents in place, if you're an online entrepreneur. And that is your website. And then when you're working with clients, and those are all completely different, (laughs) obviously legal contracts and documents that you need. But I think people tend to just kind of go and run and slap their website up and start working with clients. And they don't really realize the legal documents that you should have in place. Some of them are legally required to have in place. And the level of protection that having contracts in place can really afford yourself and your business. Yeah. What is legally required? I would love to know that. <laughs> I think that that's actually... I'm I'm curious because I don't know. I don't know. What's legally required? Yeah. So 
I, so working, you know, setting up your website, um, that's kind of the next path that I always send people on in terms of getting legally um, compliant. And there are three website documents that you should have on your website. One is, one is legally required. So your privacy policy, your terms and conditions, and your website disclaimer are the three documents. And if you open up any big um, company or even like a coach out there, you'll see that they have these documents on the footer of their website. So your privacy policy, it is a legally required document I don't know if you remember um, a couple years ago when Mark Zuckerberg got in trouble because he was selling our Facebook data <laughs> and he wasn't yeah. telling us. Um, well, because of that, Congress and the law take the way that our privacy, or excuse me, our personal data is collected by websites very, very seriously. And the privacy policy is what lets your visitors know the type of data that you're collecting, such as names, email addresses, if you have freebies, if you have a contact me page, billing information, how you're collecting it. Again, if you have an opt-in, um, if you're selling anything online, how you're using that data, if you're sharing it with any third parties, if you're taking any data from anyone that's under 18 or any minors in California under 16. And there are other laws. There's a, a law called the GDPR. And there's also a law that just, um, it actually was, it passed two years ago, but it's just going into effect next year. It's called the LGPD, which is a Brazilian law. And there's also a California law as well. And those laws mandate specific legal language that you have to have in your privacy policies in order to let people know the type of data that you're collecting and how they can get their data removed from you know, your subscriber list or billing information or anything like that. And most of the time, it just states that you, know, you, you have an email address that they can email you at in order to get their personal data removed. But these laws require very specific language to be in your privacy policies. And some of them have penalties. Uh, like, for example, California, you can get fined up to $2,500 per visitor to your site if you don't have the requisite language in your privacy policy. So the law doesn't give you credit for just trying. You either have the language in there or you don't. So it's as if you don't have a privacy policy at all. And even though some of us may not live in California or in Europe or in Brazil, these laws are still required to be in our privacy policies because you ha if you have anyone from those places look at your website, then you have to have the requisite language in your privacy policy. So that is one of the legally required documents to be on your website. Um, the other two are equally as important. You know, your terms and conditions is what is going to give you your content protection on your website. It's going to let your visitors know that everything on there is for general, or excuse me, is your intellectual property and they can't use it without your expressed written permission. Also in your terms and conditions, you should have what's called a dispute resolution clause, which is just a really fancy lawyer way of saying how disputes are handled between yourself and any visitors to your site. So I write my privacy policies to state that disputes are handled through arbitration, so they don't sue you, and in your home city and state. So you're not having to travel to another country or another state in order to defend yourself in a lawsuit. And then your website disclaimer just basically lets your visitors know that everything on your site is for general and informational purposes only, that you're not working in the capacity of a doctor, lawyer, CPA, physical therapist, financial advisor, you know, whatever it may be. And I always give the really obvious example of a health and wellness coach. So if you're doing a video about, you know, how to do the perfect squat, 
then you want to make sure that the person at home knows that they're assuming all liability and risks if they watch your video and do it at home and slip and injure themselves. So you don't want that liability put on yourself. Now, I know not all of us are in the health and wellness fields. And I understand, you know, especially your audience is a lot of um, online coaches, business coaches, and that sort of thing. But the moment that you talk about anything that involves finances or abundance or wealth or investing or really anything, you just really want to make sure that your visitors know that that is general and information only, that it doesn't necessarily apply to them specifically. Because sometimes we, you know, we don't have our ideal clients look at our websites all the time. We're not necessarily speaking to everyone that's looking at our website. So you really want to make sure that your liability is, is limited when it comes to your exposure for things that you say and talk about on your website. So I love this. And I, yeah, I think knowing that the privacy policy is actually legally required because I feel like that's the one where it's like, it doesn't, it's kind of less about protecting us as, as the other two are. So it's kind of like the least interesting, I feel like, but we still need to have it. We need to have all of these and we need to be protecting ourselves. And we also, I'm assuming need to have a client contract, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the web, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I'd love to hear you talk on that. And I kind of want to throw this question in there with it. Why do we need a contract? If let's say we could just have people check like, um, and I, I may still get my languaging wrong, but we could just have people check that box. It's like, I agree to the terms of use or terms of service. Yeah, totally. Similar, right. Yeah, it really is similar. So in actually all of the the contracts are really similar. And a lot of the language in the website documents apply to client contracts as well. Um, so your website documents deal with the visitors to your site, those people that are not your clients and customers yet. But when they step into a different business capacity with you, they have to re-agree to certain things because they're now moving from a visitor and a to a consumer and a client. So yes, your client contract, you should always have in place if you have a one-on-one um, uh, program. So if you're working one-on-one -on -one with a client and the reason why you'd have a client contract versus what's called the terms of use, which I'll explain a little bit about, but checking that little box is because when you work one-on-one -on -one with a client, the program looks different every single time. Mm. So, you know, you have with one client, you may have, you know, a, an eight week course, another one you may have a, or program, another one, it may be a six week program. One you may ha have a payment plan for another one pays in full. So they're all completely different. And that client contract allows you to cater the program based on your workings with the client directly. So you're going to want to send those via like hello sign or something like that. So every single client contract, when you work one-on-one -on -one, will look completely different, but we'll all have a lot of the same language in there that's going to protect you such as you know the disclaiming language you know you're not guaranteeing any certain results when you're working with them that's really important you're legally required to have language in there if you are charging them on a recurring basis so you have to let them know that you're going to be charging them you know a thousand dollars every month for the next three months or whatever it is that's legally required language to have, have in there a client needs to be able to be aware that they're going to be charged recurring payments and consent to it. So, and then you're also going to have like a dispute resolution clause in there, right? If you have a dispute with your client, 
you want to let them know that that dispute is going to be handled through arbitration and in your home city and state. So again, we're not going to travel to have to defend ourselves in a lawsuit. Now, when you have a group coaching program or even a mastermind, then you're going to want to use that terms of use. And the terms of use is, if you think about like whenever we buy anything online, like we're in the middle of a pandemic, how many times have we got stuff from Amazon in the last like four or five months? And anytime we buy anything, we check that little box that says that we agree to the terms of service. Now, terms of service is for um, product-based businesses. But when you have a terms of use, that's for digital products. So group group coaching, excuse me, group courses or coaching programs, masterminds, ebooks, uh, evergreen courses, that sort of thing. So it's the same thing. You're going to have that little box that you check because you want to make sure that they are agreeing to everything in your terms of use before they purchase the program or whatever it may be. And in the terms of use is a lot of similar things as the client agreement. So again, dispute resolution, you want to have full language about recurring payments. Um, intellectual property protection, right? You want to have them agree and acknowledge that if they take one of your courses, they're not going to paste it, pretend that it's theirs and make money off of it. Mm-hmm. So the, all that, all the language in there is really, really important to protect yourself and to protect your business. But the difference between the client agreement and the terms of use is that the terms of use is the same for everyone. So you have the exact same payment plan option, for every single person, if they're enrolled in a mastermind, again, it's the same payment plans option. It's the same description. The mastermind's eight weeks, the mastermind's 12 weeks, whatever it is. And you don't have to have separate terms of use for every single program that you have. You can add it all into a section that details all of your offerings, but it's not going to be as catered to your client as if you have a one-on-one program with someone. Awesome. I love this. That's super helpful to, to know that distinction of when do we need the contract? When do we need the, the checkbox, the terms of use? (laughs) I just like to help the checkbox, but, um, here's a question I have been so excited to ask you on the podcast is, can I just like everybody's website has this, right? Or I've worked with a couple of coaches, so I have like a bunch of contracts. They're all pretty similar. Like, can't I just use those? Like it's public. At least the, at least the website documents, right? Everyone has them. They're public. Can I just copy and paste that on my site? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked this. I actually, I wish people would ask this question more often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me pitch it this way. So if I went onto your website and I took your blog post and I copied it and I put it up on my website. Would that be okay? No, (laughs) no. It's funny when you talk about it from that terms, everybody's like, no, you cannot, you definitely cannot do that. Well, the same works when you, when it comes to your legal documents. So there's a few reasons why you never want to, what I can call borrow other people's legal documents. And one of which is because it's, it's actually a violation of intellectual property law. You're actually violating copyright law because the attorney that drafted that document actually holds the intellectual property, not the person that purchased the document. So when you purchase a legal document from someone, you actually get a license to use it. It doesn't mean that you are now the owner and you can you know, hand it off to whomever you want or even sell it yourself, right? So you have to be really, really careful when you're copying and pasting these legal documents because you're violating intellectual property law. So the person you need to actually 
go find the attorney that drafted the documents and ask them explicit written permission from them in order to use those documents. Furthermore, it may not actually protect you. Like I know what to look for in a privacy policy, but you know, someone that isn't so savvy with the law isn't going to necessarily know the difference between this privacy policy and that privacy policy. And if it has that requisite language in there. So I know what to look for. I, I actually do website audits from time to time. Um, and I'll go in and read through the whole entire privacy policy, which makes my head spin as an attorney. So, um, you know, but I know exactly what to look for to make sure that it's in compliance with the GDPR, with the LGPD, with California law. So I know what to look for. And if you're not trained in that area, then, you know, you're not going to know that those documents are actually going to protect you. And that also goes with client agreements. So client agreements, you know, you may have hired a coach and you're just going to borrow their client agreement. Well, you have no idea where they got their client agreement from. So they may have gotten it, gotten it from a template um, that isn't necessarily going to protect your specific business. And again, you don't know that it has all the requisite legal language in there. Does it have the um, intellectual property protection? Is that going to protect you from you know anyone stealing your course? Does it have the language in there... Um, on how to settle disputes? Does it have the language in there for um, the recurring payments? All of that stuff, you know, an attorney's really going to know what to look for. So that's why it's really important when you get these documents that you get them from an attorney that understands the online space so that they know exactly what, what's in there and you know that it's going to be protecting you in the way that you need it to. And I love your point. I think it just makes so much sense about this is someone's intellectual property that you're buying a license to use. And I have definitely been guilty of not realizing that, which actually is kind of annoying to say, because it's like your example is perfect. Like, how would I feel if you took my blog post? How would I feel if you took my freebie that people opt in for and started handing it out? Like, or just one page of my workbook of my course, like that would be very annoying. And then I would be in contact with you to like get help to take yeah. care of that. And we just don't realize that. Cause it's like, yeah, but it's the same document and it's on people's site. And I really wanted to ask this too. And I just kind of want to like repeat this slash make this clearer as the coach with clients. Um, I know I've been asked like, Oh, can I just use your contract? And I've said, yeah, sure. Uh, not not realizing this. So you and I talked about this privately once and I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And I think you even said like, imagine like if you just have some other lawyers, like even if you know your coach or this coach has like legit legal stuff in place, like let's say you know that's for a fact. So you do know it's legit and you do know it will hold up. Um, so, okay, perfect. Copy and paste. If that lawyer finds that on your site, a, they're not going to be very happy about it. It's probably going to really annoy them and actually make them sad, just like we would be if we found someone taking our stuff and not paying for it. And also, they could actually take action against that because you didn't have yeah. to it. Yeah, exactly. You can potentially be sued for damages um, for, for, like I said, violation of intellectual property law, which is pretty scary when you think about it from that perspective. And I know I... I know we're in the World Wide Web. I know there's like a lot of websites. There's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of online businesses out there. But I've actually had a few clients that have done this and the attorney found out about it. So to think that like, you know, 
I'm a, I'm not going to get caught. No one will ever find out. The attorney is like, like, again, this is like, we're, it's the, it's the World Wide web. It's, it's a big online space that we're in, but you know, I've had other attorneys find out when their stuff has been used and um, you know, it does, it may, it, it, it's just a bummer because we are all working in the online space and we're all really working hard to build our businesses and really get compensated for our value. And so I think from an, an attorney perspective, it's just kind of like, gosh, you know, like uh, it, it's our intellectual property. We've worked really hard to create these documents too. And so, um, you know, from that perspective, I just warn people about it really (laughs) just be careful. And, and, and honestly, like all getting all of your legal documents in place really sets the tone for your business. It really creates this like energetic response from the universe that you're like ready to play big, that you're ready to really grow this thing, that you're ready to really take your business to the next level. And not just for getting the documents in place, but if you're borrowing from them, just think about what kind of sign to the universe you're saying with that kind of, you know, when you're, when you're willing to go out there and invest in your business from a legal perspective, you're really telling the universe, I'm here. I got my CEO panties on. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to step into the next level with my business. Uh, so true. And I don't think I made my point before, but I think when your client asks you that, it's so tempting to just want to like, you know, if your client's like, can I just use kind of what's in your contract? It's like, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause you want to give, you want to let, you want to give them the resources. You're their coach. Especially I, I have a lot of business coaches that listen to this. So I know that they'll be asked this or, you know, cause people just don't know how wrong it is or that it's just not how it works. So yeah. it's okay as someone's business coach to not give your clients the legal documents. And well, yeah, I mean, your legal documents probably say you're not a lawyer. <laughs> can't can't yeah. give advice anyway. <laughs> so anyway, that's I true. Just, I think it's so important to know, and it's something that like I've even felt kind of obligated of like, oh, like yeah, sure. And and now like yeah. when you told me that, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I I always think about it from this perspective, like as a a business coach, you're not doing things for your client, right? Like you're not creating their freebie. You're not creating their funnel. You're not creating their webinar for them. Like you're guiding them and teaching them how to be a better coach. And when they come to you and they're like, Oh, can I just borrow this? Like giving it to them, you know, isn't really teaching them that from that perspective, like telling them the resources where they can get these documents from. This is where I got them. I want you to be legally compliant. And while you're at it, while, you know, while you're taking a look at the client contract, maybe take a look at your website documents as well. So you're really guiding them in a different way. So it's, it's kind of like being a parent, right? Like you don't want to like just roll Ruby over. Like you want her to do it herself. You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of the same perspective when you have clients from a, you know, a business coaching perspective, like let's train them and show them where to get them rather than just providing this for them because they're going to get so much more value out of it. Then if you just hand it to them and like, okay, here you go. Cause they're not going to know what's in it. Like for me with my clients, I don't like to just tell them what they need. Like, Oh, you need a terms of service. And people are like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I really like to guide people, tell them why they need it, tell them what's in it, go through every detail of it, you know, really tell them how it's going to, um, grow their business, protect their business, protect themselves, because that's coming from a place of empowerment for my clients, not just telling them what they need. So, you know, from that perspective, um, and you know, you can really provide a lot more value pointing them in the right direction. 
Yeah, I love that so much. And I feel like there's probably so much more we could talk to or talk about. And, but I feel like we would just go on and on and it might get a little too complex. I have like a whole nother episode idea in my head now. So maybe (laughs) want to come back, Uh, we could talk about some other stuff, but I think this is the perfect place to just invite people to, to get the documents that they need in place and even get the support, um, to file their LLC if they haven't done that yet. Um, Mm -hmm. more specifically, how can you help people and what are the different options? Because, I think that's just what's really clear here is like, let's do it the right way. Let's be the CEO. Let's say yes to our business. Um, and, and let's be legally compliant and protect ourselves. <laughs> so how can yeah. Help? Cause I know that you are amazing at this. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I offer uh, incredibly affordable done for you legal templates. And when I say affordable, I, I really do mean affordable. Um, like my, my biggest package, uh, you know, it costs less than a course probably. And I, you know, have created these legal, um, templates in a way that are so easy to fill out. You literally just plug in your business information and then you put them into your website or you work um, with a client, have client agreements. So they're really plug and play. They're super easy to use. They're super easy to understand. And I have a bunch of different bundles from, a website bundle. And then I have a bundle that includes your website documents with a client agreement. I have a website bundle that um, also includes your terms of use in there if you have coaching programs and that sort of thing. And I have them for all different types of businesses. So online coaches, um, fitness instructors, product-based businesses, they're super easy to use. They're super affordable. And you know, you get me for support if you have any questions about how to use them in your business or um, you know, how to implement them on, on your website or anything like that. So um, there's really no reason why um, any of us should be out there you know, working online without being legally protected. There's no reason why we should all be exposed. So um, you know, if anyone has any questions, I'm always here to answer anything. I'm very approachable. And I love talking about this stuff, obviously. So, um, but you can find me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Natalie Puglisi, or you can go to my website if you want to check out the bundles and templates. Um, and I think Taylor, you're going to leave a link um, in the bio or in the uh, in our show notes or in the description. You will find a link to all of her bundles. Highly, highly, highly suggest checking those out, especially hearing this chat about why it's actually important to buy those straight from your lawyer or attorney. And, um, I just want to second that Natalie is so helpful and so kind. If you have no clue what you need or what to do, just ask her, she'll help you. I know she will. She's awesome. And I just so, so appreciate your time today to chat about this. I know it's going to help so many people. Like I'm going to be sending this directly to my private clients, my mastermind. Um, because I just, it's, it's so important for all of us to have. And I even learned even more from you. I'm always learning from you. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week. Bye guys. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. But before you go, if this helped you find clarity, feel motivated, or learn something new, can you do me a quick favor and go leave a five-star review on this podcast? It would mean the absolute world to me as this podcast is still really new and it would help other badasses just like you find this show 
And that is the most amazing thing I could ever ask for. So thank you in advance for leaving that five-star review. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye guys.